this ain't it. That's the thing I'm going to leave you with for a week as I go overseas for a very, very rare vacation. This ain't it. Ron Hextall still has work ahead of him. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. One thing that resonated with me around the time when it seemed like the Penguins were making a trade every five minutes, meaning around the period of the NHL draft, was that they were occasionally associated with players like Andrew Kopp and bottom six type guys like that who you could plug and play right away and upgrade your third or fourth line. Now, this didn't come to pass, obviously, but just the Penguins being in there and having those reports come from reliable, real sources, well, that had me thinking that even they aren't satisfied with what they have there. So it's not just a matter of looking at the salary cap situation and the fact that the Penguins are still a couple million over. It's not just a matter of saying, wow, nine defensemen? Really? It's more a matter of saying, what do you need to do as a hockey team to go from the point where you were last seen at Madison Square Garden shaking hands with the Rangers and then progressing to a legit contender. And yes, I know, believe me, that there are excuses galore, and I don't even use excuses in the pejorative sense. I mean, they were legitimate excuses for the Penguins to not beat the Rangers, to not finish them off. Chief among them, obviously, that they didn't have either of their top two goaltenders. They were using an AHL guy in Louis Domingue. You could say the same thing about last year. You could say that the only thing that kept the Penguins from advancing past either of the two New York teams was goaltending. And that if they'd gotten even ordinary NHL-level goaltending, they would have gotten through both of those, and we wouldn't be talking about this streak of failing to get out of the first round. But, but... Had they gotten out of the first round, had they gotten through the second round this past season, and I maintain that they would have because they had Tristan Jari back because the Hurricanes had nothing remotely resembling NHL goaltending, and you would have had the Penguins in the conference final and everyone would have thought, wow, man, they're really pretty close. Let's just keep going with this group. The issue is they would not, under almost any circumstance, have even challenged for the Stanley Cup, meaning that they were no match for the Avalanche. I'm not sure that anyone was, so that's not exactly criticism, but let's bear in mind that the objective here in Sidney Crosby's final three years, according to everybody, not least of whom is Hextall, is to win another cup. And to win another cup, this roster still needs to be, overall, at another level. 
This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across Western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. I'm going to say right now, as I did around the time of the trades themselves, that I appreciate and applaud what was done with the blue line. As I wrote from the garden on the night of Game 7, the main culprit for the Penguins blowing that series, not an excuse and not ignoring the goaltending issue, was the fact that they spent so much money on their defensemen, more than any team in the league, and got, you know, what you saw. Mediocre results. You can compensate for lousy goaltending. You can buckle up with a two-goal lead in Game 5, a two-goal lead in Game 6, a third-period lead in Game 7. So when Hexall went out and got Jeff Petrie, Jan Ruta, and Ty Smith, and he sent out the guys that he did, John Marino and Mike Matheson, I was okay with that and still am. I was also okay with their identifying, meaning Hextall and Brian Burke, that the defending in front of the Pittsburgh net was abysmal and needed to be dramatically upgraded. Good for them. But this wasn't done up front. It really wasn't. The only actions taken up front, obviously, were to retain as many of the previous pieces as possible. And they did really well to do that. But ultimately, what you have when you come back, when you assemble this group for the first drills of training camp at Cranberry next month, what you're going to have is the same team with a couple of defensemen switched out. And that ain't it. That ain't it. I believe that what has to happen, and ideally it'll happen while I'm away next week, so I'll have as much to talk about as possible upon returning, is that one of these defensemen, Brian Dumoulin would be my choice, but there's also Marcus Pedersen, will be traded. And they'll be traded for whatever, a draft pick, whatever it takes to free up the cap space. A, that gets them under the cap, and B, allows for at least a couple million to be spent on a forward. The pickings aren't great right now. I talked about Evan Rodriguez yesterday. Evan's obviously not going to change the scenario if he comes back. But there's always a way. When I told you from Montreal that the Penguins were interested in acquiring Petrie from the Canadians and you all thought I was nuts or that I had bad information or whatever. I actually agreed that it was unlikely. It didn't look like the kind of deal that could be swung because it didn't appear to be a cap match on either side. But what I didn't report at the time, only because I didn't know it, was that there'd be a way to pull it off. You could move, Matheson. You could throw in other components. You can Get creative. There are ways to beat the cap. It's not as easy as it is in the NFL, 
but there are ways. And that's what needs to happen here. I'm not going to drop players' names here on you. I'm not going to suggest this guy or that guy, and I'm not even going to read through the free agency list because the most likely avenue for an acquisition here is a trade. And anybody, theoretically, can be thrown into that mix. It's incumbent on Hextall, I believe, to make one more move. And not just a defensive move, not just a cap move, but an impact move to get an impact player up front, even if that means impact within the bottom six. When we come back, J1Q. who says, hey, DK, I know we talked about the logjam on defense and the need to trade a D-man or two, but it's starting to get awfully crowded on the forward lines. In the past two daily shots, you've talked about letting the kids play and potentially bringing back Erod, but you can't have it both ways. Right now, I'm looking at the top three lines being pretty set with Sid, Jake, and Raquel, Gino, Zucker, and Rust. Carter, Kapanen, and Heinen, the fourth line being Bluger, McGinn, and somebody, and there's only one starting spot available unless they trade a forward. Thoughts on this? <laughs> Tom, Tom is one of those people who comes at you with an elephant gun, chases you into a ditch, stares you down, and says, thoughts on this? <laughs> I love it. There's a lot of good stuff in there. The first thing I'll do here in responding is acknowledge that you're right. I can't have it both ways about saying, play the kids and then bring back Erod. However, however, I have to believe in the kids and the kids have to win a job. One of the things that, judging from some of the reaction that I've gotten when I've done the play the kids episodes, specifically when I've discussed Drew O'Connor, is that people have said, well, you, you're just trying to hand jobs to them. They have to earn them. You can't force kids into the lineup. Well, I actually happen to agree with that. And I've said that, I believe, emphatically on those shows. I don't want Drew O'Connor being gifted a spot on the top two lines. However, if O'Connor makes an impact that's worthy of a look on the top two lines, then I would default to him over Zucker or Heinen. Oh, and by the way, Tom, don't think I didn't notice your sneaky little insertion of Raquel on the top line. Just letting you know there that, yeah, I saw you. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if you put together the whole entry just to sneak that in. But I digress. The kids absolutely would need to earn a spot. And while, like you, I see the number of NHL contracts that are assigned up front, I don't necessarily agree that the Penguins have to be married to them. In particular, and boy, I know this is naive, but just hear it out. What if, what if Gasperi Kapanen was signed to be traded? What if that two-year term and that ugly salary was done just to make him 
I don't know, a more certain or knowable commodity or uh, I'm just starting to dream now, huh? Well, okay. (sighs) But that only underscores how ridiculous that was. It really does. I, I just, there's a lot that I've liked about the work that Hexall and Burke have done. There's a lot that I like about this particular offseason, most especially the bringing back of the key players up front. But something needed to happen with this bottom six that was way more significant than this. And Kapanen might have been and might still be the biggest obstacle toward getting that done because there are players out there. There were players out there. You can't convince me in a million years that Nino Niederreiter, who got picked up by the Predators from the Hurricanes at roughly 4 million AAV, wouldn't have been an infinitely better fit in Pittsburgh than Kapanen. You see what I'm saying? Uh, it, some mistakes have been made, and some mistakes get more hidden than others, like that one. No one ever connected Niederreiter to Pittsburgh, so I'm not suggesting that they were in on him, but maybe they should have been. And maybe they should have been more aggressive on Cop, and then maybe they shouldn't have needlessly signed Carter to a two-year extension just before he fell off a cliff. Uh, Something still needs to occur. I will swing back to what I said at the very beginning. This ain't it. Now, for me, this is it for a little bit. I am taking my son, Marco, who's 18 years old, overseas on a bit of a pilgrimage more than a vacation. Uh, He's never been to Serbia where my ancestors are from. I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh, but... We still have a lot of family, uncles, aunts, cousins, and so forth in the Belgrade area and just to the north of that. I haven't been able to be back in 20 years, and since he's only 18, he's never been there. We wanted to do this before the pandemic. We're going to do it now. We're flying to London later tonight. We're going to stay there for about a day and a half and then make over to Eastern Europe for the main part of the trip. This show will be back Not Monday, but the following Monday. I'm taking all of next week off. Why am I doing that instead of recording shows or even doing them from over there? I'm going to be honest with you. Ever since DK Pittsburgh Sports was formed eight years ago, I took one very, very brief vacation with my family that encompassed five days where we puddle jumped really from Reykjavik, Iceland to London to Paris and then back to London and then back to Reykjavik and then back to Pittsburgh. It was really crazy, but it never felt like a vacation. We were just on fire all the time. This this one's going to be different. When we were in Reykjavik, when we first got there and we got to the hotel and they didn't have a room for us right away, I sat in the lobby and I opened up my laptop. And my son, who was a good bit younger at the time, saw this and he started crying and he said, really, really, you're even going to work here. And I closed the laptop and I promised myself that I'd never do that again on a vacation because it's literally all I do. It's all he ever sees. It's all he's ever seen. And this is going to be different. So 
yeah, and I'm going to take the week off, and I'm really, really going to take the week off. And you know what? When I come back, I'm going to be really, really ready to do all three of the daily shots again. Thanks so much for listening to this show. Thank you for supporting it. And we will connect again on the 15th of August. Take care of yourself.